thought he were around here is treated like a god. I mean, I'll never find out what he could really do. I don't want this to be the high point of his life. I've seen him, the real sad ones. They sit around the rest of their lives talking about the glory days when they were 17 years old. You know, most people would kill to be treated like a god just for a few moments. This And uh, the gentleman that we're going to talk to today is a 1974 Indiana High School basketball state champion. He's in the Indiana Basketball Hall of Fame. He's a two-time first team, uh, all Big Ten. He was two times uh, team MVP. He's a Purdue Boilermaker, and we're speaking to Walter Jordan. Uh, Walter, thank you so much for spending some time with us to help keep the nostalgia alive and taking some time from your busy day. We really appreciate it. Well, thanks, Billy. I tell you, you are amazing. Uh, we really appreciate all you do to promote uh, Indiana basketball and, and just to bring back the memories. Some of the guys you've interviewed, I've had a chance to listen in. You do a tremendous job in, in, in promoting our kids and our future and really letting the kids know what they've missed because we always say that something very, very special about Indiana basketball. We just have set ourselves apart from everybody else in the world. So really appreciate you doing this. It's an honor to be on with you. Well, thank you for the kind words. Walter, tell us a little bit about where you were kind of, where were you born and raised, your family, and, and who introduced you to the game of basketball? Wow, that's a that's a, a long story. I was born in Perry County, Alabama. We moved uh, north to Detroit, Michigan when I was about three years old, and then from there, my dad uh, found jobs and found work in uh, Indiana, where a lot of his relatives and siblings had moved to, so we moved to Fort Wayne, Indiana. I was blessed to grow up in Fort Wayne, went to Hannah Elementary, Fairfield Middle School, and Northrop High School, and uh, ended up uh, playing my whole uh, athletic career in the state of Indiana, the Purdue University from there, so it's been a blessing. My three Older brothers really introduced me to the game. I was blessed to be one of uh, seven boys and ten kids. So I had three sisters, and my three older brothers, uh, you know, were basketball enthusiasts who loved to play basketball, five-on-five, all of them played. And uh, my one brother, Charles, he um, um, he went to Indiana University. He's about four years older than me, and he was one of the first walk-on players ever to, to walk on and play for Bobby Knight. Wow. Uh, so, so Fort Wayne Northrop was a pretty new high school once you got to Indiana, wasn't it? Yes, in fact, you know when I when I grew up in Indiana, but busing came in '71. That's when they started the nationwide busing deal, and we everybody went to Fort Wayne Central. All my other siblings, and being the seventh child, now the busing started, and we didn't like it. It was a lot of a you know racial uh, divide going on all around the country because of the busing uh, issue that we had. And so we literally drove past 10, 15 schools en route to get into Northrop High School to play. And not, you know, being ignorant and not knowing uh, what was going on in the world at that time, I was just just a young sophomore because back in the day, high school was from your sophomore year to your senior year, not not the ninth grade year to your senior year. So at the, at the sophomore school, we went out to Northrop High School. That's when our high school, high school career started. And we had a lot of the, the same uh, racial problems that most high schools had at that time. But the bottom line was, thanks God for sports from our track team, our cross-country team, our football team, some of those older, uh, uh, older schoolmates of mine who were just tremendous winners. They, they brought that winning attitude. Sports brought the entire uh, school together, the student body together. 
those those guys that I end up uh, fighting with, uh, we end up loving each other, being brothers, and we're brothers for life. We still we we you know talk, talk to each other regularly even to this day. Forty years later, we're, we're like best friends and brothers, and it was just a magical ride. And, and all that stuff we saw, we learned, and nuggets that was passed on to us really helped us uh, along the journey. Really improved my basketball. Uh, desire to play basketball, a desire to play for something bigger than myself, to play for my classmates, my teammates, my school, that pride factor, the student body. It was an experience I've never experienced in my life, even now, uh, the closeness we had, the, the family we had. And, 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 and there was there was something designed or for us to do what we did, we did be able to win a state championship, even though my junior year, uh, our high school team was better talent-wise than it was my senior year. Was there anybody grow, you know, growing up before you got to uh, high school? Was did you did you have a favorite NBA team? Did you have a favorite college team? Did you have a favorite player that you kind of emulated or enjoyed mm-hmm. watching? That's amazing you would ask that question because you know back in the day we had three television stations and the TV was going off. And we didn't have all the sports that they have now thanks to ESPN. So what I saw what I saw was WGN back in the day, the Chicago station. So we would get the Bulls, we would get the Cubs, we would get the Bears. Those are all our favorite teams. We didn't have the Colts at the time. But I, and, of course, I love the Pacers. They were the, our ABA team. We didn't get a chance to see them a lot on TV. I remember listening to the games on the radio. Radio was my thing because, I used to listen to the high school game of the week. I was listening to Notre Dame with Austin Carr, Pistol Feed at LSU, and, you know, all those guys, Kirk Calvin Murphy, they would be on the radio, college basketball radio, and we listened to the, the games on the radio. We all literally sit around in the family room, you know, all seven boys listening to Austin Carr score 40, and Pistol Pete comes back with 44, and Rick Mount was scoring, you know, 38, 90. You know, it was, that's how we listened to basketball so we never got a chance to, to visualize these guys very much or see them very much uh we had the nba the nba game of the week uh on sundays and the nba season that one game on cbs i think it was once so uh, you know whenever chance we got a chance to, to, to watch or listen to basketball that's how we grew up we had to have huge vision and be visionary and picture things going going on and and we sit there and discuss that after the game what do you think he did here what, 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 you know we were visualizing in our minds when Mouse was saying he catch the ball on the wing, 15-foot out, well, a jump shot. You know, we had to visualize that. So that's how I remember uh, growing up with basketball, even the high school games. I remember crying after a high school basketball game when Fort Wayne Central, which my, the school my, my, my brothers went to, uh, 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 crying after they lost the game on the radio. I remember crying in eighth and ninth grade when they got beat. And that's when it started to become a, a passion of mine. You, you know, there there wasn't, AAU like there is today. I mean, how did, did you guys? Was there a particular uh, park that you guys would go and play, or a gym that you guys would would play in? And and were the teammates that were on your '74 state championship team were the were those the ones that you would play with? Yeah, that, that's a good, another great question, Bill. I mean, one of the things that uh, I, I, I remember my childhood is the fact we had great coaches. I remember being in, in Hannah Elementary School. And going out for the team in the fifth grade, something because my best friend went decided to go out for the team. He wasn't any good. I wasn't any good. We never played basketball, but he decided to go out. So in Indiana, at this time, you got to know it's, it's maybe 20 degrees. And so we go out for the basketball team. He gets cut. I get cut. I get cut in the layup line. That's how bad I was. 
and we 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 we, we, we you know, and we and we laugh about today because he's now a, a pastor of a church here in Atlanta. But we laugh about today because he's my best childhood friend. Instead of me going home uh, uh, when I got cut, I actually waited out in the cold five or ten minutes until he came out to gym, and he said, "What? Why?" What made you think I was going to get cut? I said, you weren't any, any good either, and I was just as good as you are, so I, I figured you'd get the cut too, the next layup. And so we started, we laughed about, we laughed about that to this day. But yeah, that's what happened. I had great, even though I got cut, that, that coach definitely kept encouraging me and said, don't quit. You just got to work. You got to get better. You got to do this. You're going to be pretty tall. Then I went to Fairfield Middle School. I had great coaches, uh, AC Eldridge or Jim Grinnell. Those guys, AC Eldridge went on to become one of the winningest coaches in any high school basketball. He later came home from the Northrop after I left there, had this amazing team, won a lot of regionals, number one ranked teams, one of the great Marion teams. He did an amazing job. He's one of my mentors. And so I had great coaches. And I got to Northrop, of course, to Bob Dilly. But yeah, you know, we played at every park. I mean, I can't think of a park or a gym or, or, or uh, we didn't have gyms back then, so we had to play in a park. We, every park you can think of, we played. I was playing, literally playing basketball. So my older brothers, they had a passion for it, too. We were just getting, we never had to worry about uh, if anybody was at the court. We had a ball, and it was it was seven boys, so we had enough to play. So we, we could always, you know, we didn't have to worry about anybody at the court. So we, we played at a place like the Reservoir Park, uh, a place called Fire Station, which, which was Fire Station built a nice uh, outdoor basketball court. We played at uh, McCulloch Center. We played at Out Jennings Center. We played at Bass Park, Bowser Park, Show Park. I mean, you name it, we were playing it. And we were going from park to park a lot of times in the summertime because, you know, as long as it wasn't dark, we were good. We'd get up in the morning. That's what we were going to do. We were going to go play basketball. We didn't have the – the technology today, and, and, and these kids got going. We we wouldn't we didn't play AU basketball. We didn't we didn't know anything about AU basketball. These kids today, you know, they don't want to go work on their individual skills. We had we go play one on one tournaments with our family. And I played against my three older brothers who really were really good basketball players. They often do something different, and they used to beat my butt. Uh, so that's what we did, and we it didn't matter. It was never too hot. It was never too cold in Indiana. I remember shoveling out the snow. In the wintertime, that's what we do in Indiana. People look at us like we're crazy. I'm sure you hear the stories all the time. Where we get out there, it's just what we did. We we gloves on, we go play. But that's what we did in, in, in Indiana in basketball. And that's what we did in growing up in my childhood. That's what I. That was a fun time today. Some of my most favorite memories of going in those parks and again with your teammates, your future teammates, and your family, and, and just playing a three on three or five on five basketball. Walter, you you said that the year before you guys won the state championship in 1974 that you felt that was a better team than the team that won the state in 74. Tell us a little bit about that season and, and, and why do you feel that way? We had just amazing talent. We had – I was a junior. Mike Moss was another Indiana All-Star, went on the Murray State and finished 13th for score in the country his senior year. And people forget about how good Mike was. Mike was, a, I call him a 2020 guy. He's a guy that – can give you 20 points and 20 boards every night. That's just who he was. And when you go play, you play with guys like that. And we grew up together, grade school, middle school, high school, and and, and, and together. We played together every year. James Wimley also grew up in my neighborhood. He was the other starting forward who could just really rebound the basketball. Tom Madden, who was like a brother of me, he was like a point guard who was just unbelievable. Everybody knew their role, but 
those those were the guys that was, the guys that was coming back my senior year. We had lost nine seniors my the, the, my junior year. There was nine seniors on that team, and I got the start. I never forget it. You might know this name. Um, uh, uh, we were playing against South End Adams, and South End Adams my uh, sophomore year. They had played Fort Wayne North, and South and Adams was very, very good. They went to the Final Four, then Herman and Helicopter, some other guys. But Jimmy Webb was like an unbelievable player going to Cincinnati. He had scored 40 points on our varsity when I was a sophomore playing JV. He, and then uh, we had this guy beaten by Fort Wayne Northside in our second game uh, my junior year. And they, they they played really well. It was a great team. So we were playing South and Adams, and Coach comes. I played, by the way, First game my junior year, I actually played like two minutes, and I probably had six points. And uh, and, and the bottom line was we were going to play Jimmy Webb, and so I wouldn't figure figure anybody's game plan. And so coach comes in the locker room and he says, um, "Anybody here who's going to point guard Jimmy Webb? They're coming to our home court. They're ranked like number two or three in the, in the state." And they said anybody wants to guard him, so I rushed, I rushed and raised my hand, thinking everybody want to raise their hand. But I looked around; I was the only one that had my hand up. <laughs> and, and so I didn't know that was a good thing, a smart thing, or not. But I had my hand up. I didn't care; I just wanted to play. I figured if I'm playing against my older brother, brothers who's pretty pretty damn good, I can, I'm not going to be afraid of this guy. So long story short, Jimmy Webb comes in, and they're like top three or four teams in the state, and they're really good. And they, they come and and, uh, and we play up our – he scored 40 the year before. He scores 28 this game. I score 16 points, and we win the game. So, <laughs> so now all of a sudden, now I'm a defensive stopper. All of a sudden, now I'm guarding all the top scorers on every team, regardless of position. That's how I got in the lineup. And we had, like, the returning – that that year we had eight of our top scores coming back from when I was a sophomore on that varsity. So this is the second game of the season. And so we went on. We had some unbelievable athletes on that team, guys that went to play Major League Baseball, uh, guys who were leaders uh, on the football field, went to Arizona in football. I mean, we had some guys that were just awesome in every sport. Because back then we were just so dominant in every sport my high school was. And those guys I looked up to. And uh, – I end up starting, and they end up. I end up taking a lot of their minutes, and then I end up starting. I end up getting better. We was twenty four and three my junior year. We only lost three games my junior year, and we played a tough schedule. And uh, we got beat one game away from the uh, state finals by Anderson with Roy Taylor and Tony Marshall, that team who was undefeated, who should have won state championship our junior year. And so um, we come back, and we end up meeting them again the same spot, the same place, one game away from going to the state uh, final for uh, my senior year. So one year removed, that's that's what happened. So we was 24-3, and three, even though that was the best talent. We had an unbelievable talent. My senior year, we had chemistry. We had leadership. We had toughness. We believed in each other. We played for each other, and uh, we were determined to get it done. And there was no fear factor when we met Anderson again a year later. And that that being the number one, two, and three ranked teams in the state to win the state championship. Yeah, you know, all the legends that I have on this show, I always ask this question like uh, I had Dave Magley on the program, you know, uh, from the South Bend area. Um, and, 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 you no know, shooting and, Dave, yeah. Yeah, and, uh, you know, uh, <laughs> the Gary team, South Bend, Fort Wayne, you guys pretty much beat up yourself. There, there were prob- Because of the way the tournament is set up, there would probably be a lot more state champions from that area if you guys didn't have to beat up on each other. There's absolutely no doubt about it. 
Absolutely, no doubt about it. And I may be wrong, but I, but, but I doubt it. I'm Charles Barkley right now. But in 74, uh-huh. uh, in 74, if you look at the Fort Wayne basketball area, getting out of the sectionals was one of the toughest things you can do. We had a north side who was always tough. They had unbelievable athletes, six or seven kids that went on to play college basketball. You had Concordia High School. They had the great late. Eugene Parker, uh, who is two of the top five players in Indiana, hands down, who never got out of Indiana because he went to a small school and didn't have a lot of help. But he's an incredible player. He proved that in college. But he never even was mentioned as the Indiana All-Star. Then you had a team like South Bend. They had a big kid named Reggie Bird. His brother was John Bird. Reggie went, uh, went on to play, play at Florida State, I think. And Reggie was a big-time basketball player, along with Knees uh, Hill. You had uh, teams like Elmhurst, who was – some of the best teams of talent you had in the state. We never got out of the sectionals because we beat each other up. Wayne High School, we had schools that just beat each other up every year. The biggest thing we, we wanted to do was get out of the sectionals. We didn't get a chance to play like a Christmas tournament like these guys play now. We have the SC tournament in Fort Wayne, the holiday tournament, all the schools play against each other. We never played in that. We only played the, 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 the regular season. Uh, uh, games, you know, and then we play the great teams in the region because there's always great teams in, in Elkhart, South Bend. We used to play in Warsaw is always really good. You know, all those schools, Richmond, we used to go to Richmond. We used to go to Anderson. We used to go play all these top schools. And so we always felt we had a little chip on our shoulders that we had, we were not only representing Fort Wayne North, 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 we were, we were representing Fort Wayne because we felt we never got any, any respect. Anything north of, of Marion never really got the respect or do that it deserved. We just felt that way. Not, 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 not we as in the basketball community, uh, and we just really felt that way. So we had a chip on our shoulders because we knew we had to get out of the, the at least the regional, get to the semi-state to get recognition. I always say, if I if we had not gotten out of the you know the regionals back to back, my junior and senior, year, there was a kid by the name of Gary Yoder. You might not even know that name. Gary Yoda went to a small school called Westfield. Westview. Gary Yoda was unbelievable. He's one of the best players I ever got. He's a year ahead of me. But Gary Yoda, I think I don't want to say he went to Cincinnati, but this kid was unbelievable. I mean, just a crazy basketball player. But he could never get out of the Fort Wayne region. Uh, so I, I agree with you 110. percent So I think about those kids. I remember coming up watching the Fort Wayne semi-state, just seeing Javon Price's coming in the, the day. Shepherds coming in when I was growing up. This is Bobby Wilkerson seeing these guys, and I said, "Wow, I want to be like them. I want to get to the semi-state. I want to see what that 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 feels like to get interviewed by Hillier Gates." Hillier was my man. That was my dream because you had done something great. If you got interviewed by Hillier Gates. If Mr. Gates interviewed you, that means you've done something great. And, and, and those, 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 all those visions, those memories, memories contribute to my vision and my belief that, hey, we can win and we can do this and we all can get, you know, get to about Huey Gates. I just tell the guys that they would start laughing at me. But that, that was like a big deal to me, you know? So, uh, you know, just so blessed, so blessed. Uh, uh, Walter, what was the atmosphere like in your guys' gymnasium? I, I, you know, I, I thank God I'm sharing this story with you, the personal story, but I think it's a good one to bring to bring to back, bring everything to suspect, to suspected. I was, I was just so blessed because of the way I was brought up by my parents and my family. Never saw color, never saw this and that. 
never believed that, you know, this wasn't anything that we could accomplish. That's just how we was brought up. So coming to Northrop, I remember uh, in November, late November, we're getting ready to play Northside, our arch rivals. And I knew my mom had cancer, but no one told me she was dying. And I remember a week before that game, um, my mom passed and around, around Thanksgiving time. And my school, my team, my everybody would come to my house. I couldn't go. I didn't go to practice. I didn't go to school. After practice, all my teammates would come over. All cheerleaders would come over. Classmates would come over. Didn't matter what color they were, they would come over and just just show up. I mean, in droves. You know, cars are parked a block away in the heart of the inner city, and you got white kids and black kids and blue kids and brown. It didn't really matter. They were there. Teachers would come see me. You know, three or four times during that week. We were going to play arch rivals, and, 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 and I'm thinking I'm not going to be able to play bury my mom on Thursday, the games on, on, on Friday. So this is the start of my senior year. So this, this everyone will know that, like I tell people all the time, that wasn't me that senior year. That was that was my mom. That was God. All those prayers she had prayed. This this is what was going on, and I didn't understand it until years later. But that first game in Northside, I remember it Thursday night, and uh, at the – that's the funeral in the wake, and, and then my, all my classmates come over. And my brothers get together with me and say, you know, Mom would want you to play. He said, you, you, your teammates is there for you to play. You, you, you know, they've been there for you. You need to go out there and pray and play for Mom. And so in your classmates, so I, I prayed about it, didn't know if I'd be able to do it. But I got to the gym. I'll never forget it. We're playing at, at my home, my home court. And we see, I don't know, anywhere six, maybe five, 6,000 people in Northrop. And so the JV was playing, and I'll never forget it. I walk in. There's no way I could walk to the locker room without walking through the, the stands, the fans. So I get in the gym. I walk in the locker room. I have my bag with me. And literally, people start standing up cheering. And it wasn't just Northrop High School people. It was Northside High School people. You got to remember, I was not a star player my junior year. I was a role player. No one knew about me. No one talked about me. No one was saying we're all going to do this and Lord is going to be there. We lost nine seniors. So I walked in the locker room. I'm literally in tearing up because I finally figured out halfway through, they're cheering for me. Wow. And I get I get in the locker I get goosebumps telling the story. I go in the locker room. I'm just tearing up. And my, class, my teammates who are already at the game, most of them came in the locker room and started hugging me. And, wow. and it, it was just these are six, these are seventeen, eighteen year old kids, and and start hugging me, and I just stood there. And I stayed. I couldn't go out and watch the day. I just stood there and prayed. And Lord, just I just need some strength right now. Long story short, we ended up beating Northside. I hit two free throws, one and one, to clinch the game. Wow! And that was the start of my senior year. That was the start of something that that was totally, I say, beyond my control. And 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 people always say, you know, this kind of stuff is sound corny. That's real, and that changed my total, complete life that senior year. What happened? It was just amazing. And I sit back and think all the time. I just say, thank you, Lord. That's all I can say. I thank you, Lord. And the rest. So, so what? Now that's okay. That's all right. That's a, a, a amazing story. What was? Do you still have it fresh in your memory too? On you know when you took the court to practice before the final four uh, down in Bloomington? Oh, no question about it. See, that, that's what I mean. How, how, I, I had told my brother 
Because between my sophomore and junior year and my junior and senior year, my brothers were at IU. They were students at IU. And my sister was at IU. So three of my siblings were at Indiana University. They were there in the summer, summertime. So I would come down to the Hyper Building in the summertime and work out and play in the Hyper Building. I was a huge Indiana University fan because my, my siblings went there. Uh, George McGinnis, all those guys, I love them. Okay? So everyone had assumed that later on, because I wasn't an IU player, but Later on, I became a, a high major player my senior year. But everyone had assumed that I was going to go to Indiana. Everybody. I, I, I used Bob Donawal used to come to see me all the time, you know, Michigan, Michigan State, Marquette. All those guys are my final five choices. But when I got to, when I, I was at Bloomington, I used to tell people, I said, March 23rd, 1974, I said, we'll be here playing for the state championship. My brother, get out of here. You guys, who? You guys lost nine seniors. You guys suck. You guys are not going to do anything. And they were trying to motivate me, you know. And I said, okay, we're going to prove you. I said, we'll be here. I knew the date. I had went on and found out the date, time, we were going to be here in Bloom. I told my sister, get ready. Tell your friends we're going to be there. And so all year, things just went. I started hitting my teammates to believe in it. We used to talk about it all the time. What's that date, Walt? What's that date, Walt? What's that date? And and they started to say, March 23rd, we're going to be in Bloomington. So the whole team bought into the vision. We bought into the vision. So I remember that very, very well. I remember getting to uh, going to Anderson. We were in our bus. We had to sign and set rallies and all that stuff. Then we take the bus around 69, heading to Bloomington. And guess what? An Anderson State Trop Trooper stops our bus. <laughs> give us a speeding ticket. <laughs> give us a speeding ticket. So I remember that very, very well. So we get the, the, the we check in, we go to the union, the building, union building where we're staying, and you know we just we just talk. I, I remember being just in awe of, of Assembly Hall with seventeen thousand seats. Yeah. I remember being shoot around like, Lord, where in the world have we gotten ourselves into? <laughs> <laughs> you know, and, 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 and it was just such, uh, and we had no pressure on us because Lafayette Jeff was very, very good. They were expected to beat us. Jeffersonville with Wayne Walls, who was just, in my opinion, the best high school player that wasn't 74, even though Bird was in that class. At that time, I felt Larry, uh, that that Wayne Walls was, was the best player in Indiana. I just felt that way. Uh, later on, we know what happened. But <laughs> but, um, <laughs> but I, I, I just felt strongly that no there's no pressure on us because everybody just can't believe we're here. We just beat Anderson, number one ranked team, undefeated two years in a row, and now they're saying, oh, we're done. And we just felt really good. We just felt liked our chances. And so I remember that 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 first uh, day, just being there to walk around and shoot around in Assembly Hall, and just feeling really confident and relaxed, and knowing we're going to have some fun and they're going to have to beat us because we're not going to beat ourselves. And that that was our feeling. Walter, what do you still remember today? What your feelings were, or what you what you, what you were focused on, or what you were thinking of when that buzzer went off, and and you know you, you had won the title. Hmm. The first thing I thought about was my mom. The very first thing when that ball was in my hand, and I just thought about my mom. I said, thank you, mom. I said, thank you, mom. I just felt her presence the entire year. Everything I went through, and even today, I still feel her presence so clear. So, you know, all those hours and hours of praying on her knees every night out loud and not getting up to she mentioned all ten of her kids 
And I remember the prayer she prayed, and I would hear and listen to her. And the last word she heard, I heard her say in the hospital bed, and I didn't know she was dying. My dad would take me up to practice, and we stopped by the hospital. And I, I walked out the room so they could, they could say goodbye, and I could hear my mom say to my dad, that boy going to be a pro. That wow. boy going to be a pro. Wow. And that's the last word I heard my mom say. So every I, I, I think about my mom all my journeys in basketball, especially. It's the first thing I thought about. It, I said, "Mom, this is for you. This is for you, Mom." I remember saying that to myself. And then we just celebrated with the guys that I love. Man, I, I love my teammates. I, I I love even to this day. We had something so special. We have something so special. It's hard to explain. We cannot see each other, talk to each. Other. I think that comes with every. Experience of winning a championship. That's the thing I always tell kids that winning is a process. Once you got the combination to, to winning, you know how to win in any aspect of your life if you choose to apply the same principles. And, and that's what I feel really good about because I, I think all of us are winners, not only on the court, but off the court. And you'll find that, I believe, with the great Indiana University basketball teams who won national championships, but all the great Indiana high school teams as bust the win state championship, I think you'll find a special bond that a lot of people can't can really understand or it's hard to explain unless you've been on those teams. Walter, who who first recruited you, and and why did you choose Purdue? Wow, that's that's a tough question. Um, <laughs> there, there are a few people know this question, know this answer, but I'm, I'm going to give it to you to be transparent. Uh, my junior year, um, I had, like I said, I had one offer. I was Edinburgh State, and that was because of a, a, a guy by the name of Jerry Webb Horton, who from Port Wayne, he's alumni, and, rec- and he helps out with recruiting there. And he he saw something in me early in my junior year. He saw something in me that he said, this kid's going to be special. And I remember him saying that to me, and then he called school. He, he drives me down to Edinburgh State one weekend. I drove down to Edinburgh State with him and visited Edinburgh State because I didn't know if I'd get another scholarship offer. And then Gardner-Webb came, came in in the middle of my junior year. And then coming back my senior year, um, I had a lot of inquiries, a lot of calls, and some really concrete. We got we went, we went had 37 points uh, in Marion. A mid-season game. Marion always tough to play in Marion. They broadcast their games, and I I, I go in Marion and we just we beat them. Mike must have twenty-eight. I had thirty-seven points. Then the next week, my phone starts blowing up. I, I just start blowing up. You know, I was a huge Marquette fan at the time. I was a huge Notre Dame fan at the time. I loved Gary Brokaw. I loved Notre Dame. And, and Indiana, you know, was, was you know, my, my, my siblings went there, and I was a huge Indiana fan. So long story short, uh, after we started to go in the state run, and the whole entire state run from the sectional to the regional to the semi-state, things were done differently back then. And then the state finals. I I just played. I, I was improving. I was getting better by the week. And, and, and my confidence was growing by the week, and I was becoming a different player. I, you know, I, I was just, just, just really growing into myself. My, my body was finally, was my, my game was finally catching up with my body, and I started to, you know, I was six five playing guard, and you know, bringing the ball up and doing things that, you know, my body started to develop. And then all of a sudden, I went on that four week run where I was just basically unconscious. And the bigger the game, the better it seemed like I played. 
And I always pride myself on playing best in the big games. I always got up for the big games. Even in college, I always tried to pride myself on showing up for the big game. That was important to me. And so I love playing in the big game. So that's that was that was what was happening to me is I kept getting better. We played in Assembly Hall and, you know, seventeen thousand people, I think every college in the country had somebody there to watch Dwayne Wall to watch, you know, Glass and Twins or whoever else was playing. They were there. They wanted to watch these guys. And so I just and we were just blessed. I just I just played really well uh uh that final four weekend and then literally when I got back School. We didn't have school on Monday because the mayor canceled school because uh, the whole entire city. We didn't they canceled school for the entire city because <laughs> we won state. So on Tuesday, I come back literally overnight. Coach Dilly comes to my uh, homeroom class, and there's a box, a huge box. I would say probably, I'm not exaggerating, 65, 70 letters in there from college coaches, hand, wow. handwritten letters, <laughs> handwritten letters. The next day... Bob down the wall, Coach Orr uh, from Michigan. Bob down the wall, Coach Orr, and uh, Guy Flynn. I think his name is Flynn. He's from Michigan State. Okay, they all show up the next day to see me during school. The next day, <laughs> and I'm being blown away that this just happened. It just just really just happened. So uh, it, it was like, okay, what do you do? And then uh, just met with my family and decided what where, where I really wanted to go. The only school that I really wanted to go to that was in the in the hunt that didn't didn't, didn't offer me was Notre Dame, and they didn't offer me. And I always used to wonder why that never happened because I, that would have been my pick. That would have been. My dream school because I grew up a huge Notre Dame Austin Car fan, so that uh, that made it pretty easy from that point. I didn't have to worry about Notre Dame. So when did you decide on Purdue? Uh, it, it was a really tough choice. It was unexpected. This is a nice story. You'll get a kick out of this because <laughs> um, <laughs> Purdue had assumed that I was going to go to IU. Everyone was saying I was going to Indiana University. Everyone. Uh, so I went to uh, Eugene Parker calls me up and, and I had so much respect. It was hard to find the guys my, my age that I, had, that I had that kind of respect for than, than Eugene Parker. I love Eugene Parker. I've watched him uh, since he was a sophomore. I didn't really know him that well as a sophomore, but I watched how he played, how he carried himself, what he did for his team. And uh, we became pretty close between my junior and senior year because my goal was to not let Eugene Parker outwork, outwork me that summer. That was my goal. Because my junior and senior, he's not going to outwork me. He might have, but have been close. I promise you that. <laughs> but he, he, he had called me up and said, hey, I'm going to drive down to Purdue. They want me to come up. Do you want to ride with me? I said, yeah. I ain't got anything else to do. I said, yeah, let's, let's ride. So, Wrote, wrote to you, wrote to Purdue. Gene, Gene Schultz was in there, and they was telling Eugene he's the number one recruit uh, in front of me. You know, he's the number one recruit. We need a guard. We need a point guard. We need somebody who can do what he can do. And there's Adi Matthews who was supposed to show up that weekend from went to Illinois. You might know that name. Mm-hmm. He was supposed to show up to go, to be there, but he didn't show up. So a couple times in our conversation, when I was dinner, hung out, Coach Schultz accidentally called me Adi Matthews. <laughs> 
Okay. <laughs> so it just start off too good, right? <laughs> so I'm sitting here being at this. I'm, I'm there at Purdue, and Michigan's blowing up my phone. Michigan State. For, I'm sitting there, why in the hell am I here? <laughs> you know? then, but on the way back, Eugene said something to me that I'll never forget. He said, Walt, I know he called you Adi by mistake a couple times. He said, but when we first started talking, all he talked about was Walter Jordan. And he felt, he said, Coach Child felt like he couldn't get, that he didn't have a chance to get me. And felt I was only there because of Eugene. And Eugene said, man, I would love to play with you for four years. Man, it would mean the world to me. And he said, you know me, Walt. And I said, you're exactly right. He said, we can room together. Uh, you know, we, we have a great time. We can help, you know, maybe, you know, get to the final four. And you know, Eugene's talking this. Eugene basically told me on being his teammate than, than, than Purdue did. And because they just believed they were out of the picture. And then I told Eugene I would consider the coach Shoffley to call me. He called me right away and said, well, he apologized. He said, I know you can play. That's not an issue. I know you probably can start for us right away. Boom, boom, boom. He said, if you consider us, we, of course, we'd love to have you. And next thing you know, I was a Purdue fan. And I ended up signing with Purdue, which completely shocked everybody, including my family. Uh, and now, you know, even though there's four IU uh, degrees in my hometown, in their homes, guess what? They're Purdue fans today. So, <laughs> it worked out. <laughs> it worked out. What it mean? What it mean to you to be named to the Indiana All Star team, and what was that experience like? It was scary. To be honest with you, it was flat out scary. I mean, here's guys that I have read about. I have read about, uh, uh, you know, my whole high school career. These guys, you know, they were not late bloomers. They were not guys that, you know, showed up on the radar uh, the last. You know, half a year, last year of their senior year, these are guys like Wayne Wall, the Larry Bird, Roy Taylor, Tony Marshall, you know, uh, the shooter from South uh, Port, Jim Crevis, going to Texas. You know, our all-star team was very, very good. Steve Collier going to Cincinnati. I mean, these are guys that I read about, you know, Mr. Basketball, Coach Mr. Basketball, and I remember – Having a conversation with my brother and one of my uh, uh, childhood coaches, Tony uh, Hollins, and we were working out, and they got on me and they said, "Don't go down there being intimidated, being intimidated, and, 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 and timid. you can play with anybody in the country right now." He said, eight or nine months ago, no." He said, "But today you can." And so I remember going down there thinking about that, and they said, and my brother said, "Don't go down there and embarrass, embarrass us by being scared. You can play." <laughs> And uh, so I remember the first day going in there really nervous. And uh, I remember after working out with him, uh, we had two days. And I remember standing out the end outside south of Indianapolis. And we had two days at Butler. And I remember after that first workout, I got to thinking, you know what? I can't do these guys. What I really love about those guys, they gave me respect like I was the man because they had seen me play in the state finals. They've seen us win the state championship. So that came with a certain level of respect from the coaches, the media, your teammates. That came with a great deal of respect because those guys got a chance to really see me play. And so after the first workout, the second workout, I was in the, the what they call the the blue blue jerseys, which the coaches saying would be the starting line. They had to start today. 
I was in the blue jersey. And Larry Bird wasn't. <laughs> so, so I was like, what the hell? But but we know the end of that story. But the bottom line was, <laughs> the bottom line was, you know, you can't take yourself too serious. You got to humble and you got to work. And you all got to prove yourself. And, and that's something I learned uh, the hard way. Respect everybody but fear no one. And I think I had a great uh, uh Series with Russia, we played Russians, we played Indiana, played Kentucky twice. So you know we had a great team. Wayne Rafford was my roommate, and I remember that experience like yesterday. And Wayne and I are very close to this day. And even though he, you know, he was going to Indiana, he was saying he was disappointed that I couldn't go on with Indiana. But you know, we 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 just got special bond and respect for each other. All the, all those those guys in '74. I'm so thankful that I was able to reconnect with Roy and Tony. Roy Taylor, rest in peace, bless his heart and soul. But, um, you know, we were able to connect later on in our lives. I remember having a reunion in Indianapolis, uh, the 74 reunion, and Roy was there, and that's when he told me he had cancer. And then Tony had shared with me his life stories, the challenges and stuff he'd been through, the respect that we had, the Wayne Walls and stuff that we, we respect. We told those stories and those lives as people do as kids. And it was just so good, so good. I thank God that that in Roy's later stages in life that we became very, very close, and uh, and and I, and I was able to to share with him and and, and hopefully grow with him and, and be there for him as well as Tony. So those those are memories, man, that that you, you are priceless. You can't put a price tag on them. And I'm so thankful for that little orange round thing that we all been blessed to share and, and share in and grow in. So once you get to Purdue, was that the first year that freshmen were eligible to play? That when you got there? Yes, I, I, I think I'm pretty sure it was. Um, you know, th- you know, thinking about my freshman year, and uh, you know, I remember, uh, you know, thinking, hey, a few months ago I was playing in Assembly Hall, winning state championship. A few months later, we're playing in Assembly Hall again our first Big Ten game in January against the number one ranked team in the state who were going, I mean, the nation who were going to be undefeated. We're playing against them with Scott May and Buckner and Wilkerson and Benson and Green and Laskowski and, you know, everybody. <laughs> we're playing against them, and we got snot-nosed freshmen, Eugene Parker, Wayne Walls, and myself out there trying to compete. I'm, I'm starting that game as a freshman at Assembly Hall, and uh, maybe it's about – 40, okay, and uh, we, you know, it it was like a different world. I said, God, just who would have dreamt that, you know, six months later, I'm I'm in a Assembly Hall playing against the the best team in college basketball after winning Indiana High School. I'm on national TV playing against these guys. So it's just amazing, uh, you know, the things you learn, the life lessons you learn, and how life how life is, and I, I think about those lessons a lot, you know, and then here's the thing that gets me. We end up playing them again, of course, the second time. We still, we, we're still young, and, and we shoot 60% from the field at, at Mackey. We probably had three or four turnovers, and we played probably the best game we played all year, and we still lose by a point. Okay. But that, that, that's how good that team was because, you, you know, we couldn't play any better. And, and, and still lose by a point, but you know the lessons learned in those few months period of time was huge, and we end up 
uh, Scott May used to say when he said we hate playing you guys because we knew it was going to be a war after that because even the next year when he came back, they were undefeated. They beat us twice again, but both by a score of four points, a total of four points. So, you know, that's, that's what we can do, you know. You know, they say there's, uh, you know, if you, uh, the perception is is that uh, Purdue and Indiana don't get along, but it looks like there was a lot of respect between the players from Purdue and Indiana during this time period. Well, that that's always been the case. Uh, we're just too close. We we followed each other. We played against each other, played with each other in a lot of cases in all-star games, the Derby Dan, the, the, you know, all the, the, the Dapper Dan, all these other all-star games play against these guys you know them and yeah you you've got you you have respectful why can i not like wayne wayne rafford uh or ray tolbert or you know landon turner who are like my brothers and, you know how could i not love those guys so yeah we we can't miss it but here here's the deal we we love each other we respect each other that's what makes the rivalry so so special when we step on the floor we want to kick each other's butt more than anything in the world <laughs> <laughs> Let's not get that twisted. <laughs> you know? we, 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 that's not that, that's never going to change. You know, it, it don't really matter. You know, it's like okay, let, let's go. It's <laughs> war, and, and we'll. we'll but at, at the end of the day, the respect factor is there, and that's what makes us fun. I love Coach Knight. You know, but I wanted to kick his butt every time I saw him because <laughs> I know I know he was talking about me wanting to kick my butt. You know. <laughs> Walter, where was your where was your favorite place to play in the Big Ten besides Mackey? Indiana University, hands down. I love Assembly Hall. I love playing in Assembly Hall. Um, I, I got up for for uh, IU games. Uh, just a different feeling, and I think I would play them anywhere because uh, I just love playing against Indiana. It, it's just a different feel. You know, and I think they would say the same thing. You know, Mackey's a great place to play. I love it. I love going into the enemy territory, but I love I love Mackey too. But I, I love it. I, love, I like playing at Michigan. You know, I like playing at you know Louisville. Louisville had great teams back in the day. I love playing at Freedom Hall. Uh, you know, Madison Square Garden was a treat to me. That I've always dreamed of playing in Madison Square Garden. My first chance got to play there. Uh, my junior year, there was a, a Christmas tournament. I forget they call it Ace, uh, EA, AC something. They still got it. I think every every Christmas they invite four teams to go play. Maybe the more teams this 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 time. But I used to go. I, I played when I got a chance to play in Madison Square Garden. I love Madison Square Garden. I mean, I had a, I had a, a, a ball. One of my best uh, two day tournaments I ever played in was at Madison Square Garden. So I mean. I, I like the, the the historical facilities, you know. I like, of course, uh, Minnesota. I love Minnesota. We all we had the great teams with Kevin McHale and Michael Thompson. See, people don't realize when when I played in the Big Ten, it was clearly the best team in, in, in the best conference in the land, bar none. We had the best players: Kevin McHale, Michael Thompson, to Ray Williams, to Liz Sanders at Minnesota. Everybody had NBA players. Everybody had top uh, personality coaches who were strong coaches. Big Ten was clearly the best conference in the land, bar none. You can even discuss the ACC or the SEC or anybody else. The Big Ten was the best conference in the, in the land. Do you think you guys would have made deep tournament runs if the field would have been expanded to 48 while you were there? Uh, there there's no question about it. We never finished any worse than third in the Big Ten. We got invited to one dance. And you, like I said, you're talking about, you know, 
the teams that you look at the Big Ten when I was in, in the Big Ten, we always had two teams in the Final Four. We always had two teams, you know. So, yeah, if they got the third team in there, there's a pretty good chance that I had all three. We got beat in uh, – we had to play North Carolina. At North Carolina, they were ranked fourth in the country, first round of the tournament. We had to play North Carolina at North Carolina, first round of the tournament. Okay, they had Phil Ford. They had all those the great <laughs> coaches, O'Corn, you know. Guess what? We had a six-point lead with a minute and a half to go and got beat. If we beat North Carolina, we go into the Final Four. So we, we we that team in my junior year, when Indiana had graduated Scott Vincent, Scott May, and all those guys, we we were we we beat North Carolina. That's a, that's the tournament draw. Okay, we finished second, I think, in the Big Ten that year, and we we get North Carolina at North Carolina in the first round, number fourth ranked team in the country. Damn, <laughs> you know. With 32 teams, and and we still we, we believe we're going to win. It don't really matter. It, the six point lead with about a minute and a half to go. We should have won the game, but we did. You know, we're coming fresh off of the uh, Olympics and watching the uh, uh, the uh, United States do another thumping through the Olympics and getting the gold medal. Tell us about your World University uh, uh, experience and 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 win the gold medal with that, and uh, and your teammates and what that was what that meant to you. Wow. It's one of the highest honors I've been ever been blessed to have to represent your country. Uh, it was a great experience. The trial was a great experience. It was held at the University of Louisville. I was just excited to get an invite, get some great players and great names, which whom I won't mention that tried out for the team. We went on and had great NBA careers. We didn't make that team. And so I was honored to be one of the 12 players that was selected by Coach Crum and the staff to, to make the team. Uh, so that was in itself was a great honor. And being able to not really understand how big that was because uh, when we flew over there uh, out of New York, the whole plane was full of uh, U.S. athletes from all different sports. And you get to meet some of these. I believe one of my, my dearest friends who became my dearest friend was Ann Meyer. We ended up marrying Drysdale from the professional baseball world. But Ann Meyer and her brother was Dave Meyer. Ann and I became really close on the South Field, Bulgaria, uh, for the last for the three weeks we were there. But being able to do practice at the University of Louisville and, um, you know, and get to meet and room with Phil Hubbard, who was at Michigan, and Larry Bird and Cindy Moncrief and Daryl Griffin, you know, all those guys, Kent Calvin, that, you know, you had all these guys, Dave Rovazine. Uh, you had some guys there who, who, really uh had passion for basketball who was great people and of course we you know we 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 we, we uh mess with each other quite a bit in fact larry used to tell me because we had just beaten him a sophomore year he used to tell me all the time that uh you know we can't wait till the date the day i was going for the state the state championship he knew the day they were going to play purdue and I'm thinking, oh, it's Indiana State Police. They can't beat us, right? <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> so we ride each other all the time because we knew we played each other. We were going to play Louisville. We were going to play, uh, field twice. So we ride each other all summer. And so that was, that was a lot of fun. Just a lot of fun. And, uh, and, uh, you know, I was telling our, our Purdue guys when we played Indiana State, you guys got to get ready. We had just played Louisville. We had just played Alabama. Both of them was ranked top 10. We had just beaten them both. Uh, they had West Cox, Louisville had some great players, and we had just beaten them. 
And so now we got to go to Terre Haute, who this is their biggest game on their schedule at the time. You know, I wonder who Indiana State was. So Larry had those guys so far. Uh, man, that was just, we couldn't even Eugene Parkins. Now you couldn't even go out and do a pregame uh, interview that they wanted to do for a broadcast because they had basically had every seat, every fan in the seat. They were loud, too loud, for the less of the interview. And so I went back to the locker room and said, yeah, we got to get ready to play, guys. <laughs> this is crazy. And they, they played their butt off. I mean, they, they wanted it. And, and you were coming in a little bit cocky, thinking we were better than we were. We just, you know, we were ranked, you know, we were going to be ranked top 10 team. We just beat Louisville. And, you know, that, and they kicked our butt. And, uh, yeah, but, you know, those, those are the kind of things you, you remember uh, a lot. And, and so playing on the World University game team, it was really good. It was a great experience. It was an experience I'll never forget. I remember the fight against Cuba, where we literally had a fight. We had a 10-minute fight where we couldn't find a security guard or officer. Before that, you'll see them everywhere. But this particular time, it seemed like somebody paid them to go out, go out and get out of the court. So we were at the end of our bench, and these guys, big and strong and athletic, running at us and just throwing punches and chairs and everything. It was amazing. It's amazing. You know, a couple of our kids got hurt. James Bailey from Rutgers got cut. You know, had to get some uh, treatment. And it, it was really dangerous. I mean, you had the only, only option you had was to fight back. And luckily, uh, it didn't end up worse than that. And, uh, we went on, went on to, uh, use it as a, uh, motivational tool, uh, cause Russia was really good at the time. And being Russia was a big deal. I remember Russia used to come over and beat some of the, College, U.S. college team, strong in preseason games. They were really good. So, we, you know, it was a great experience, and uh, I wouldn't change it for the world. And the tears that that you saw and, and the emotions that was filled when they sung the national anthem was something I always remember. And every time I hear the national anthem on the Olympics, it brings back that memory. And, like, wow, how amazing is that? So, good stuff. So, Walter, you, you're, you're, you're toward the end of your career at being a Boilermaker, did you? I mean, what were your thoughts on the draft? What? What did? Did you? You know, what were you thinking? Your path was going to be after uh, playing at Purdue, and 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 how? And and give us a run through on on how that path worked out. You know, it's it's amazing. Uh, it's truly amazing. Um, I never wanted to play basketball for money because they wouldn't make it any money. <laughs> it was just for love of the game, you know. It was for the love of the game. In fact, I wanted to play against the best. I wanted to be in the NBA. I remember, I kept hearing that voice in the back of my head: "That boy's gonna be a pro. That boy's gonna be a pro." I had some unfinished business, and so when I when I came to school my junior year, and all honestly, it was my best year at college. That was my best year. That was when I was at my all-time best. Um, I, I probably should have went hardship. That senior year, because I had the opportunity, I was ranked top six small forwards in the country. But I wanted to win. Like I said, it wasn't about the money. I wanted to win. My brothers kept saying, "Let's stay around, get your degree, stay your four years." And, and, and it, it wasn't a big deal to me, it really wasn't. But I wanted to come back and play with my team. They had the second year playing with Joe Barry Carroll and that crew, and we, we had a good nucleus coming back. And I felt really strong that, that we can do really well. Um, had some solid freshman coming in to help our depth. And so I just felt really good coming back my senior year. And after the World University Games uh, that summer, I was a little wore out. But as soon as I got back, I had to, come, I had to go to class. I had to get back 
and go to class the very next week. And I was wore out, really, seriously. So we had to start preseason con- conditioning, and I needed a break. Coach, Coach gave me a break. A couple of weeks I took a break off, and, and my body uh, just needed it. My mind needed it. And then so the season started really quick for me mentally, and I, I thought every game my goal was to, to give it 110% no matter what. And I think I played hard every game. I can never say I took a game off. I really feel good about that. I tell kids don't have any regrets. Go hard. Play as hard as you possibly can. Play for your team. Play for you know, your, your family. Play for everybody, you know, your school. And so that's what I tried to do my senior year. I really tried to focus on that. Things didn't work out the way we wanted to work out. As far as advancing and finishing strong, we at one point we were um, at one point my senior year I was leading the Big Ten at scoring. At one point we were top one or two in the conference, and we lost some games we should not have lost, and that really took the wind out of ourselves. I, we didn't know that Coach House was thinking about retiring, and so that has been going on all year, which we didn't know, and so. Um, if we known that, it might have been a motivational factor, but we didn't know. And so we got beat uh, our last game at Illinois that took the steam out of everything. And so I, I really feel bad about the way that last couple of weeks went. But I felt like I had a pretty decent uh, senior year. I felt like I had high goals that I really didn't, didn't reach for every reason, and they're mostly team goals. You know, I was all Big Ten first. You know, this and that, but uh, MVP, captain, all that. But I, I didn't feel like that, that that was the senior year that I needed to have. So I took a lot of that on myself, on my own shoulders. And then uh, for whatever reason, um, there was a word out that said I had tendonitis, I had bad knees. That word got out to the pro people. Instead of me going first round, which I was projected to go, even the day of the draft, that didn't happen. So, and a lot of people blame that on coach, and, and a lot of people blame it on why would they say that? He never missed practice. He never missed a game. He always, I just had tendonitis, which was a growing pain, which is going to go away. But that, that's the kind of stuff that happened. And so I was never bitter about that. I was more disappointed myself. So I, I know then, and what people don't know, after I left Purdue, I went out and played in something. I got drafted by the Nets, and I was the last player cut by the Nets. I, uh, I didn't have a guaranteed contract, but I had a great preseason. I shot 60% from the field. I played behind Bernard Neek, the great Bernard King. Uh, I had my first check. They gave me my deposit to make my, uh, to get my apartment before we left to go play Detroit, our first NBA game. And what happened was my family's all driving up. Then the day before, there was a nice little article in the New York Times saying that, uh, Kevin Lockie was the coach that I reminded him of Bobby Dandridge, who's a pretty good player that, that I was going to have a great, uh, career and I was going to have a great role on this team. So the day later I get called to the office. We're getting ready to go to Detroit and said they had to let me go uh, because of the financial situation. They couldn't afford to keep me and another guy because um, they just you know, got sued for the Knicks for the invasion of territory. Uh, something happened and they couldn't afford to pay Phil Jackson, who they had to take, who had a guarantee contract and pay him and pay me at the same time. So I had to go because Phil Jackson was coming in not because I couldn't play, not because I didn't supposed to be on the team. So that took a lot of wind. I disappeared for four days. My, you know, I had to let my family know I was okay just to get my head together. And then that took a lot out of me. Now, I went to play in a league called the Western Basketball Scholarship, which was a tremendous league. It was higher class than even the D League. It was a one-year deal, 
a lot of great players played in that league and uh, great coaches with Bill Musselman being one of them. And Bill was at Minnesota and Bill got the job out there. He left Minnesota to coach out there. So I played in that league for a year. At the end of that year, my rookie year, I made all rookie team. I was first team and uh, all, all, not all rookie, but all league. And, and long story short, I had a great, great first year. At the end of that last game, we played in the playoffs and we got beat. And I forget who beat us, but we got beat and uh, packing to come back, drive back from Washington, the state of Washington and Tri-Cities where we played at Pasco, uh, the Kennewick area. So we drove back from Washington, uh, my wife at the time, and we drove back from Washington. We scheduled drive drive from Washington. Went out with the team, uh, uh, got up in the middle of the night and collapsed. And, uh, you know, and I'm, I'm telling I'm laughing. And they say, I, I don't drink one beer. I'm not drunk. I don't drink, but I drunk one beer. So, but I turned the lights on. My knees had swollen twice the size. My ankle had swollen three times the size, both of them. And didn't know what the hell was going on. So long story short, five specialists later, they found I had some colitis for literally for three or four months. And after that, I had to literally crawl to the bathroom. Uh, I couldn't walk at all and didn't know what was going on. I used to pray about it. The specialist finally found out what, what that was, what that was about. And then, uh, I, at the time I just wanted to walk. And so, but I kept hearing my mom's voice saying, that boy's going to be a pro. That boy's going to be a pro. <laughs> and the uh, Lord grant me ability to, to, to heal and to come back stronger and better than ever. And here's the neat story. Uh, Bill Musselman calls me and, he says to me, he says, he said, Walt, uh, I just, I'm going to sign with the Cleveland Cavaliers tomorrow. I'm going to be the new head coach. He says, uh, I, I recruited you at, at Minnesota. He said, I played against you for four years. I played against you in, in, in the w, WBA. He said, you are an NBA basketball player and I'm going to sign you to a guaranteed contract. Wow. And I said, what he said, but here's what I need you to do. I need you to come prove it for for everybody. So the the manager, everybody, so you can play. So him and so he, and myself, and Bill Lambeer, Bill Lambeer was at Notre Dame. We both were invited to go play out to Cleveland in the summer pro league in California, uh, in the summer pro league. So we played a full schedule, about ten games, and we played for Coach Musselman in Cleveland. And after that, uh, that 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 summer, Bill and I sign our first pro contract together for the Cleveland Cavaliers. You know, growing up, the ugliest uniforms were the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the Cleveland Cavaliers. And I and I was I was a fan of the Buccaneers and then they changed their logo and everything like that. And the Cavaliers there was just something about them. I don't know why I was drawn to it, but do you do you still have one of those unis hanging up anywhere in your office or house? <laughs> I didn't even say that, Bill. You're not right, man. You're not right. You know you're not right. You're wrong for that. No, no you know I'm you right. So wrong. You, you know I'm right. <laughs> you're 110% right. <laughs> I'm not claiming that I have it, though, Bill. I'm not claiming that I have it. I'm not going to claim it. <laughs> so what was the, no, what was the, too funny. <laughs> what was the NBA experience oh, like that, now that you look back on it? It, it was amazing. I mean, um, I'm a fan of old school basketball. I mean, I like the, the talent of some of the kids today. 
But one of the things I always say is that and even if you watch the Europeans kids play and, and then coaching A, you run that huge A organization that I now um, and getting kids late and, and, and growing up in Indiana, the kids don't know how to play. They can do all the drills. They can jump out the gym. You put them on to do the, the 18 dribble step back drill between your legs, behind your back, and all that. They can do all that. But when they get in the game, they do not they do not know how to play without the ball in their hands. They do not know how to read defenses. They do not know how to play team defense. They, you know that's why Europeans are able to compete with us on the international level. It's just their basketball IQs are so high. Not that they're the most – the NBA wins on talent because, as you know, they should have got beaten twice this year. Yep. And playing in Spain, playing in Italy like I've been blessed to do, I knew that early on. I had to come back and tell guys that this, these kids can play. Don't don't think because I'm in, in, over here these kids can't play. They can play. They know how to play. But growing up in Indiana having the great coaches that we've had and how we grew up in Indiana is different from growing up in the South. You know, they don't, they don't have a lot of teachers teach people teaching basketball, teach them how to play. And that's what I love about Indiana, love, you should love about Indiana high school basketball is that the small schools can beat the bigger schools. You know, the, the sectional upsets that these have, they feel talked about when there's only one state championship. I miss that. I miss that, you know, the fact that you can have those major upsets that makes the whole town forever, <laughs> you know. And, and, and I remember going to some of those towns, seeing how they closed down on Friday, Saturday nights to go support the kids and how the kids play and, you know, how the kids play. And that's why we don't see that now. It's about, okay, we'll go get the five or ten best players and we'll beat you. You know, so it's a little different attitude. So the NBA at that time, I felt that they had a lot of that. They had uh, guys that knew how to play, you know, had guys that knew how to play and they had depth. They had guys on the bench that knew how to play. You know, uh, that's what made some of those guys such great basketball players. They knew how to play. It wasn't that they were most athletic or jumped the highest or any of that stuff or looked good in warm-ups. You know, those guys knew how to play. It makes all the difference in the world. Walter, what's the mindset when, you know, you've had so much success in the game of basketball and it's time to hang up your sneakers? How hard is that or was that? You know, I was um, – that's another great question. I was, I always said that when I got to be 30 years old, I was done playing basketball. Mainly because, uh, when I would come home to work out and, and, and just to go at the park to play or go to the Y to play, you had kid guys there that you've grown up with who, especially in my hometown, and I'm not being negative, but it's the truth. And anybody who grew up in my hometown will tell you that you got guys there who's never really great when it needs to be great, or worked out when it needs to be great, or focused when it needs to be focused. But all of a sudden, when he got to be 30 years old, uh, they wanted to get focused. They wanted to get stronger. They wanted to, you know, be, prove themselves or their manhood by playing basketball or taking it seriously when. Uh, your focus needs to be somewhere else at the time. So they would take the fun out of you going to have a, just a normal workout and just compete. They would take the fun out of the game. And I, I need that, and the focus needs to be on something else. I knew that there was other things that God had planned for me to do, and I knew that I could do other things. There was never a, a time in my life where I just felt like I needed basketball. I never, I did it for the fun, the enjoyment, the love, the, the relationships that I have for people. And not even for name recognition. I did it because I just simply love the game. I, I love the game. I respect the game. So when I got to be 30 years old, 
I had I was I was never going to play again. I had opportunities to go play every year. I even got invited to NBA camps when I was 30 years old, you know. But I never had the desire to go and put my body through that again. Pain, the, the tears, the heartache, the disappointment that people don't see. People see, you know, the, the excesses. They don't see the pain that people have to have to go through, and the life lessons it's going to teach you. And the business side of it, there's a business side of it at every level, especially when you get out of high school. There's a business side of basketball that's not good all the time. So I, I didn't want to do that at 30 years. I wanted to try to find other things I could do but still be around the kids and be around uh, the game because I respect the game. Hopefully we felt was, uh, share some nuggets with some of these parents and some of these kids and maybe keep them going through some of the things I went through or the people go through, but at the same time embrace the, the journey and what and the beautiful things that that, that, that little orange thing can give you and, 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 and use basketball and as they say, and don't let it use you. And that's, that's the lesson because so many kids, I was just reading an article yesterday, so many parents today at alarming rate than ever before think their kids going to go play professional sports where it's basketball or baseball or football. It's amazing the how the that that possibility is. So we we got we have responsibility for those who know that to, to pass that on without questioning their opportunity. The deal is to be blessed enough and good enough to go get a free education somewhere, whether it's NAI, you know, uh Vision One, Vision Two, wherever. Go get a free education by doing something that you've been gifted uh to do. But that's what I'm doing it. Walter, you know, it, it's always interesting when, when I flip through social media, you know, you, there are times where I'm kind of down or I'm thinking, you know, oh, poor me, and then, you know, I'll read something that you post, and it really is uplifting, and, you know, God has given you a lot of obstacles and some hurdles, and it, it, can you tell us, tell us about your family, tell us about your kids a little bit. Wow. Yeah, really make me cry, man. Well, I, I apologize, yeah, but really I, just think, I, just, I just think I just think okay. I, I just think that uh, what, what, what you what you have, what you have become is because of some of the stuff that you've gone to, and I just want people to just to know everything that you know about Walter Jordan. Wow, uh, Billy, thank you so much for sharing that. You know, as we get older, you know, and I know that, um, and our listeners know. Uh, there's a group of people that always want to see you a certain way from your childhood, the mistakes you made, the bad decisions you made. At one time, you might have done something that 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 you really regret. You wish you hadn't have done. There's a group of people you have to understand that always want to keep you there. And most people respond to negative more than positive. Anybody can be negative. But we all need people to lift us up. People can't afford to all of us to be negative. I have pity parties like everybody else. But I choose not to share those pity parties because my faith is so strong. And I know that God gave me that pity party for me to overcome it, to share with someone else. That may be going through the same thing, who maybe need to be lifted up. And so be it. Because if I'm not positive, it's going to bring me down. It's going to bring a lot of the people down with me who's looking at me, who kids who I've coached. Kids, most of the things I post is for kids who I've coached and, and parents who I talk to on a daily basis while I get inundated with phone calls, which I'm grateful to do. 
when my phone stops ringing, when someone needs me, I'm in trouble. That means I'm not doing my job. I'm not being responsible. I'm not giving back. I'm not texting anybody. But I love it when parents call me and they got questions. Maybe not the towns which are, but that's because I can I can relate to any of them because most of the times we've been through it at sixty years old. You've probably been through it. You probably got a little wisdom. You probably got a little, you know. In, in life, we all have to struggle, and anyone who don't don't been any struggle, they haven't lived. So we have to be able to share that too. We are so get so in, so crazy about all the negative crap that's going on now with social media and the political uh, tone of, of the world and what's going on. It's just it's just not right. It's just it's not right. I, I don't care if you're elephant or a donkey or a blue or you're black. You know it's right wrong. It's, it's either right or wrong. If you demean people or if you're looking down on people, if you're thinking you're better than other people, if you're not being truthful, a lie is a lie. You know, you can take a duck to, 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 to Eagle School, but, you know, at the end of the day, he's still going to be a duck. So we, we, have to, we, we have to understand that it's all about growth. It's all about growth. It's not trying to be better than anybody. If you can lift somebody up just a little bit, and my goal is to get better, just a little bit better every day and every aspect of my life. I want to be a better wife, a better uh, husband to my wife. I want to be a better father. I want to be a better brother. I want to be a better friend. I want to be a better coach. I want to be a better person because I still got work to do. God ain't finished with me yet. So I just think it's important that that if you you know don't don't sit here and demean anyone. I'm not going to demean anyone. You know, if you, anyone calls me and says anything negative about someone else, I'm going to tell them. I said, I'll make sure that, that Charles knows that you have a problem with him so you guys can talk. And I guarantee you that person who's bringing you that garbage is going to back up and say, no, man, that's not what I need. That's not, I didn't need to say that. So they're cowards. And if I have a problem with anybody, any adult that I respect, I'm going to pick up the phone and try to fix it. I'm not going to get into that. And I just think we all need to do better, including me. And the message has to, has to change. I have to change my message because when players, when people talk about I hate LeBron, I hate Steph, Steph, I hate, why? Do you know him? <laughs> you know, he sucks. He sucks because of basketball? <laughs> what, what, you know, I mean, really? Seriously? <laughs> and we as adults, that's the kind of messages we're sending our kids. And then we then wonder why they have disputes and challenges and, and they feel free to say and be negative to their classmates and their teammates and, and judge other people. That's not our job. Why are we doing that, Kurt? And so when I see that kind of stuff, it bothers me. And I have to say what comes across my heart. If it comes across my heart, I'm going to, I'm going to say it. And I, I don't care about, you know, what someone thinks because that's, that really matters at the end of the day anyway, what someone thinks about you. You just have to be honest with yourself. So that's my philosophy. And I'm glad you, you get, got something out of it. And, and I hope, you know, a few people do because I, I read positive posts all the time with us with me. And that's one thing I love about social media too. So I appreciate you sharing that, sharing that with us, Billy. It means a lot to me. Thanks. No problem. What does Walter Jordan, does Walter Jordan still watch basketball? Does he, does he still enjoy the game? Is Walter Jordan retired? What does Walter Jordan do in his free time? Uh, I, I'm probably busier today than I've ever been in my life. Uh, you know, it's just, it's just been a, a blessing to be this busy. Um I, I do a few things. I run youth leadership conferences. I'm looking at three different cities now who's asked me to come in and do a youth leadership conference for them. I've been doing that for a few years, and we do with young men. We deal with young men, and uh, we get them for two days, and we talk about uh, life issues. We 
have panel discussions, we break down about uh, their mindset, their attitudes, uh, how they dress, how they talk, how they treat women, their language, uh, everything. And a lot of times, uh, leadership, of course. Uh, and then, um, you know, I'm, I'm also involved in uh, work out a lot of kids. I run a youth uh, uh, program called Team Impact. We have 160 kids last summer, AAU program, if you will. We've been blessed to help over 90 young men find their college homes. Some of my kids are doing some amazing things. Uh, uh, one of my kids just graduated from ski as an aerospace engineer. He had a choice to go to, to NASA or uh, Boeing. Uh, Boeing. Uh, he chose uh, to, to, to move out to Seattle, Washington, and be uh, one of the top executives there. He actually is going to be in charge of building airplanes. Wow. Okay. And then one uh, another one of my kids just graduated last year from uh, Arkansas. He was a John Mackey Award winner, the best tight end in the country. Uh, uh, First-round draft pick of San Diego Chargers, who will be starting the tight end this year. Uh, uh, so we've got some kids doing some amazing things. I had lunch with one of my kids today, just graduated high school, is leaving for college tomorrow. Uh, another one of my kids, Anthony Jennings, he was a starting quarterback for LSU, uh, who graduated from LSU, who uh, lost the starting position last year, but he's transferring to Another D1 school, I forget the name school in Louisiana, but he would be starting the Ragents, whoever they are. He's talking about a pretty good football program. He's a starting quarterback there. He's a graduate student now. And uh, just just got text from him probably five minutes before you call. Well, he just got named the starting quarterback. He's you know he's a great kid. He's got he's got a chance to play in, in the league, uh, but he's going to get you know get his, his master's degree this year. Wow. And so, I mean, those are the, the things I love. Those are my trophies, as I call them. And uh, it just makes you feel good to see God using me to hopefully get it. A lot of these kids don't even have, you know, dads in their life or male uh, role models in their life. So those are the kind of things that, that, that I do. And I'm in business, a health and wellness business with my wife. Uh, she's a graduate of Marquette, and she's been my uh, my rock and, uh, my best friend, and just honored and blessed to have her uh, in my life. So I've, I'm a proud granddad. Um, since I had my great first grand grandchild probably about a month ago. Awesome. His name is Jordan. Yeah, his, <laughs> his name is George, Jordan. My daughter is a uh, college basketball coach, and uh, she's in Portland, Oregon for now, and uh, so she's doing extremely well. Just so blessed and uh, just trying to, to, to grow men and help, help a few people along the way. You know, Walter, uh, just to make it fair, the San Diego Chargers uniforms are pretty ugly, too. <laughs> I still like the Chargers uniform. <laughs> Man, it's just a lightning bolt. Uh, Walter, Walter, is there any place, uh, is there any place, can, pe- can people help, help you do what you do? Is there some place where they can go and read what you do? Or is there, you know, uh, any way that anybody can donate? Is there a place that they can go to? We just... I just really appreciate you asking some right on questions today. Uh, we started our first Ask a Friend uh, GoFundMe campaign. One of my um, uh, assistants uh, thought about this. We just started it last week, and we haven't even hit the our, our hit let it out yet, but uh, we will be doing it in the next couple of days. Ask a Friend campaign for the first time. We've got people that I've individually 
reached out to that I know they would help and they've already helped. And so we haven't let it out to social media yet or anything like that. But it's, it's, uh, I can, I'm trying to figure out the best way to get that link to people. So if anybody's interested in helping, uh, any of our kids, cause this is the first time we've done it in 25 plus years that I've been doing our youth, uh, leadership. There's 25 families I, I help try to reach out to the business community from economic disadvantaged, economic disadvantaged families, uh, and mostly single moms who need our assistance, have multiple children, but they always want to participate in our program. So every summer I try to help 25 of those families. And, uh, so if anybody interested in, in, in donating or helping, please email me, uh, at walterjordan34, Walter. Jordan34 at gmail.com. I will get you the information. I will get you the link. Uh, we would, we would truly appreciate, uh, uh, your, any, anything you, you, you can give. It's never too, too, too little or never too much, but our kids need so much and, uh, anything you give, trust me, we'll truly appreciate it and it'll make a big difference in these kids our program. I certainly would appreciate it. Thanks for asking, Billy. Appreciate that. No problem. Walter Jordan, with all the negativity that's going on in the world, this was an amazing and uplifting program, and I'm sure everyone will enjoy this once we put it out. Thank you so much for your time. Billy, keep doing what you're doing, brother. We so much need it, and so much appreciate your effort. I know this is a lot of work, and people might look at this and say it's not, but I know the work you put into it. I can hear, see your passion all over the place. And we truly, 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 truly do appreciate you, man, and I mean that from the bottom of my heart. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. Thank you so much again.